From the Mixed-Up Files of Mrs. Basil E. Frankweiler by E. L. Konigsberg Chapter 3, Part 2 Do you think I could get one of the guards to play me in a game of war? he asked. That's ridiculous, Claudia said. Why? I brought my cards along, a whole deck. Claudia said, inconspicuous is exactly the opposite of that. Even a guard at the Metropolitan who sees thousands of people every day would remember a boy who played him a game of cards. Jamie's pride was involved. I cheated Bruce through all second grade and through all third grade so far, and he still isn't wise. Jamie, is that how you knew you'd win? Jamie bowed his head and answered, well, yeah. Besides, Brucey has trouble keeping straight the jacks, queens, and kings. He gets mixed up. Why do you cheat your best friend? I sure don't know. I guess I like complications. Well, quit worrying about money now. Worry about where we're going to hide while they're locking this place up. They took a map from the information stand for free. Claudia selected where they would hide during that dangerous time immediately after the museum was closed to the public and before all the guards and helpers left. She decided that she would go to the ladies' room and Jamie would go to the men's room just before the museum closed. Go to the one near the restaurant on the main floor, she told Jamie. I'm not spending a night in a men's room. All that tile, it's cold. And besides, men's rooms make noises, sound louder, and I rattle enough now. Claudia explained to Jamie that he was to enter a booth in the men's room and then stand on it, she said. Stand on it? Stand on what? Jamie demanded. You know, Claudia insisted, stand on it. You mean stand on the toilet? Jamie needed everything spelled out. Well, what else would I mean? What else is there to in a booth in the men's room to stand on? And keep your head down. And keep the door to the booth very slightly open, Claudia finished. Feet up, head down, door open. Why? Because I'm certain that when they check the men's and ladies' room, they peek under the door and check only if they see there are feet. We must stay there until we're sure all the people and guards have gone home. How about the night watchman? Jamie asked. Claudia displayed a lot more confidence than she really felt. Oh, there will be a night watchman, I'm sure. But he mostly walks around the roof trying to keep people from breaking in. We'll already be in. They call what he walks a catwalk. We'll learn his habits soon enough. They must mostly use burglar alarms in the inside. We'll just never touch a window, a door, or a valuable painting. Now let's find a place to spend the night. They wandered through, they wandered back to the rooms of the fine French and English furniture. It was here Claudia knew for sure that she had chosen the most elegant place in the world to hide. She wanted to sit on the lounge chair that had been made for Marie Antoinette, or at least sit at her writing table, but signs everywhere said not to step on the platform. And some of the chairs had silken ropes strung across the arms to keep you from even trying to sit down. She would have to wait until the lights were out to be Marie Antoinette. At last, she found a bed that she considered perfectly wonderful, and she told Jamie that they would spend the night there. The bed had a tall canopy supported by an ornately carved headboard at one end and by two gigantic posts at the other. I'm familiar with that bed, Saxonburg. It is as enormous and fussy as mine, and it dates from the 16th century like mine. I once considered donating my bed to the museum, but Mr. Utmeyer gave them this one first. I was somewhat relieved when he did. Now I can enjoy my bed without feeling guilty because the museum doesn't have one. Besides, I'm not that fond of donating things. 
Claudia had always known that she was meant for such fine things. Jamie, on the other hand, thought that running away from home to sleep in just another bed was really no challenge at all. He, James, would rather sleep on the bathroom floor, after all. Claudia then pulled him around to the foot of the bed and told him to read what the card said. Jamie read, Please do not step on the platform. Claudia knew that he was being difficult on purpose. Therefore, she read for him, State bed, scene of the alleged murder of Amy Robsart, first wife of Lord Robert Dudley, later Earl of... Jamie couldn't control his smile. He said, you know, Claude, for a sister and a fuss budget, you're not too bad. Claudia replied, you know, Jamie, for a brother and a cheapskate, you're not too bad. Something happened at precisely that moment. Both Claudia and Jamie tried to explain to me about it, but they couldn't quite. I know what happened, though I never told them. Having words and explanations for everything is too modern. I especially wouldn't tell Claudia. She has too many explanations already. What happened was... They became a team, a family of two. There had been times before they ran away when they acted like a team, but those were very different from feeling like a team. Becoming a team didn't mean the end of their arguments, but it did mean that the arguments became part of the adventure, because dis became discussions, not threats. To an outsider, the arguments would appear to be the same, because feeling like part of a team is something that happens invisibly. You might call it caring. You could even call it love, and it is very rarely indeed that it happens to two people at the same time, especially a brother and sister who had always spent more time with activities than they had with each other. They followed their plan, checked out of the museum, and re-entered through the back door. When the guard at the entrance told them to check their instrument cases, Claudia told him they were just passing through on their way to meet their mother. The guard let them go knowing that if they went very far, some other guard would stop them again. However, they managed to avoid other guards for the remaining minutes until the bell rang. The bell meant that the museum was closing in five minutes. They then entered the booths of the restrooms. They waited in the booths until 5.30 when they felt certain that everyone was gone. Then they came out and met. 5.30 in winter is dark, but nowhere seems as dark as the Metropolitan Museum of Art. The ceilings are so high that they fill up with a lot of darkness. It seemed to Jamie and Claudia that they walked through miles of corridors. Fortunately, the corridors were wide and they were spared bumping into things. At last, they came to the hall of the English Renaissance. Jamie quickly threw himself upon the bed, forgetting that it was only about six o'clock and thinking that he would be so exhausted he would immediately fall asleep. He didn't. He was hungry. That was one reason he didn't fall asleep immediately. He was uncomfortable too. So he got up from the bed, changed into his pajamas and got back into bed. He felt a little better. Claudia had already changed into her pajamas. She too was hungry and she too was uncomfortable. How could so elegant and romantic a bed smell so musty? She would have liked to wash everything in a good, strong, sweet smelling detergent. As Jamie got into bed, he still felt uneasy, and it wasn't because he was worried about being caught. Claudia had planned everything so well that he didn't concern himself about that. The strange way he felt had little to do with the strange place in which they were sleeping. Claudia felt it too. Jamie lay there thinking. Finally, realization came. You know, Claude, he whispered, I didn't brush my teeth. Claudia answered, 
Well, Jamie, you can't always brush after every meal. They both laughed together very quietly. Tomorrow, Claudia reassured him, we'll be even better organized. It was much earlier than her bedtime at home, but still Claudia felt tired. She thought she might have an iron deficiency, anemia, tired blood. Perhaps the pressures of everyday stress and strain had gotten her down. Maybe she was lightheaded from hunger. Her brain cells were being robbed of, vital of vitally needed oxygen for good growth and, and yawn. She shouldn't have worried. It had been an unusually busy day. A busy and unusual day. So she lay there in the quiet, in the great quiet of the museum next to the warm quiet of her brother and allowed the soft stillness to settle around them. A comforter of quiet. The silence seeped from their heads to their souls, and into their souls. They stretched out and relaxed. Instead of oxygen and stress, Claudia thought now of hushed and quiet words. Glide, fur, banana, peace. Even the footsteps of the night watchman only added an accented quarter note to the silence that had become a hum, a lullaby. They lay perfectly still even long after he passed. Then they whispered good night to each other and fell asleep. They were quiet sleepers, and hidden by the heaviness of the dark, they were not easily they were easily not discovered. Of course, Saxonberg, the draperies of that bed helped too.